Blog Talk Radio. I own it, I did that, not proud that that was me, and when I face it, I take back a little dignity, not looking for excuses, I just want to be and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. Um, this is Amanda, and I am on my own tonight because Jean and Catherine are both traveling, so I'm hoping I don't mess anything up tonight. I will do my best. I do have um, three wonderful guests on the show to help me out, though. Um, I have Debbie, Amy, and Deb. So, hi, ladies. Welcome to the Bubble Hour. Hey, Amanda. Hey. Hi. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Um, this is, um, uh, you know, we really appreciate your your help, your service. Um, so tonight we are going to talk about the challenges of early sobriety. Um, when we stop drinking, most people experience physical withdrawal symptoms, also known as acute withdrawal, which can last anywhere from a few days to a few weeks. It's not fun, but most people expect it and are rewarded with immediate physical benefits once the alcohol or drug is purged from their system. Our lives begin to improve and we are happy, but then there are other things that seem to be getting worse. Mood swings, anxiety, irregular sleep, and we want to scream, I did not get sober for this. Um, And that, you know, (laughs) that's something we're all part of an online group together. And, you know, we see that all the time. People are just, it's, um, it's, it's a very difficult time, early sobriety, I have to say. I remember it very well. Um, But the good news and the bad news is um, those feelings that you have are completely normal. What what we experience in early sobriety is called PAUSE, which is post-acute withdrawal syndrome. And it feels like an emotional roller coaster. PAUSE can be very difficult to deal, deal with and is a huge trigger for relapse. But drinking will only make the process start all over again. And who wants to do that, right? So how do we get through it? Um, how do we manage the roller coaster ride of early sobriety? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. So, to start with, let me um, just define for you a little bit about what pause is. So, post acute withdrawal occurs because your brain chemistry is gradually returning to normal. As your brain improves, the level of your brain chemicals fluctuate as they approach the new equilibrium, causing post acute withdrawal symptoms. During this stage, you'll have fewer physical symptoms, but more emotional and psychological withdrawal symptoms. Of course, every per- person is different, but most people have the same symptoms, and it's amazing how pretty much everyone has these symptoms. Um, so the most common post-acute withdrawal symptoms are mood swings, anxiety, irritability, tiredness, variable energy, low enthusiasm, variable concentration, and disturbed sleep. Uh, Sleep is a huge one, I know. Um, So in the beginning, your symptoms will change minute by minute and hour to hour. Later, as you recover further, they will disappear for a few weeks or months and and only to return again. As you continue to recover, the good stretches will get longer and longer. But the bad periods of post-acute withdrawal can be just as intense and last just as long. 
Once you've been in recovery for a while, you will find that each post-acute withdrawal episode usually lasts for a few days. There is no obvious trigger for most episodes. You will wake up one day feeling irritable and have low energy. If you hang on for just a few days, it will lift just as quickly as it started. After a while, while you'll develop confidence that you can get through post-acute withdrawal because you know that each episode is time-limited. Um, but, you know, just even just with that reading that description, how confusing is that? <laughs> I mean, it's, um, <laughs> you know, you... you you know, you feel great one day and, um, you know, you hear people talk about being on a pink cloud. And I know for me, when I first got sober, I was like um, I one of those weird people that probably annoyed people. I was just thrilled <laughs> and I couldn't be happier to be done with drinking. Like I was, you know, of, of course, you know, this was after a few weeks. I was like, oh, my God, finally, like I can, I felt normal. And then the next day I would cry the entire day. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm losing my mind. Yep. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be um, in a lot of programs. I had things that I did voluntarily and other things that the court suggested I do. <laughs> and, um, so I I had the benefit of some education about pause. And so I was able to see that I was not going crazy, that this was all normal stuff. Um, and that's why we like, I think this is one of the most important topics to talk about. And, um, so rather than hear, have me ramble on and on, I'd love to hear from our guests and talk about their experience. Um, because it, you know, as I said, it's, it's, um, it's, it's very different for each person, but it is, um, you know, a lot of things are the same. And I think you know what you know. Just hearing how other people get through it can help us a lot. So, Debbie, um, welcome to the Bubble Hour. And um, thanks, Amanda. If you wouldn't mind, <laughs> um, why don't you why don't you start by telling just telling us a little bit about yourself um, and what your journey um, you know how your journey journey began. Sure. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, my name is Debbie, and I'm 42. I live in Virginia Beach, and I'm grateful to say that I'm 117 days sober today, thanks to the grace of God mm-hmm. and all of you. Um, woohoo! I've got four sweet kiddos. Maddie is 12, Zachary's 10, Sam is 7, and Caroline's 5. We've uh, been baby-making machines over here. And I've been <laughs> married uh, for 16 years to my high school sweetheart. Um, he is a drinker. I will add, and that's been very hard for me, actually, in early sobriety and hard for us as a couple, but I'm holding on to hope that we can um, keep working on that. Um, my story, briefly, I didn't drink in high school. I did drink in college and had a lot of fun, uh, but I didn't think that I had a problem because the friends I chose all drank pretty hard, too, and I love to drink socially. I have many fond memories of early drinking days, and frankly, that's been the hardest thing, I think, to let go of because I still remember when it worked and when it was fun. Um, however, everything mm-hmm. changed for me at age 28, and I knew I had a serious problem with alcohol. Um, at the time, my husband was in residency, and I was a third-grade teacher, and we had no kids. Um, some personal things happened in my life that brought me deep sadness and anger, and it was then that I turned to alcohol to escape from those feelings, and that's where it all changed for me, and I got into the vicious cycle that I couldn't get out of, Um, and I started to drink to numb and to ease pain and to drown out feelings, Um, 
And I remember seven years ago trying to stop and reaching out to a friend crying and um, just still couldn't and knew that I, I didn't know what to do. Um, so fast forward four kids later and a mommy that still drink at night and had found playgroup mommies to, to enjoy uh, days with. Um, I finally uh, Googled alcoholic moms and found my way to the BFB, which was a saving grace for me, and um, I was able to to reach out to other people to let my dark secret out for the first time and at the suggestions of wise others to finally go to some recovery meetings and programs that could help me. Um, and now I'm, I'm happy to say that, that I'm on my way and, and I'm full of hope and um, you know, thrilled to be on this journey. So... I thank you. Wow. Um, well, that's quite a story. Um, to, to you know, just to to start with there, that's um, pretty amazing. And four kids. Wow. Um, and just for our listeners too, the BFB is an online support group that we uh, the four of us all belong to. And there's many of o- online support support groups too. And we mention it at the um, the end of our show, and you can find the link on there. Um, but um, we have a lot of people nowadays are finding their way into recovery through online support groups and just Googling, you know, am I an alcoholic? And that's that's really neat stuff. Um, so just to to dig into the topic, Debbie, what are um, so what was early early recovery like for you? You know, in um, the some of the um, symptoms that we talked about that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Did you experience those in early sobriety? I or you're, did. I mean, t- first... technically, you're right in the thick of it right now. And, and you know, how I... are things for you? I am. And and actually, the first one that came to mind for me was high anxiety because you know you when you take away the drink, that was when all of the feelings came back and all the stress came back. And as a mommy, you know, it was really from those hours of you know four to eight when the kids came home and the feeling of stress and homework and baths and dinner and, you know, what to do, you know, to take the edge off. Um, And so the high anxiety I just really struggled with um, when I first got sober. And it actually, um, you know, finally I was willing to go see a therapist, which was something I wasn't willing to do for a very long time. And I do that now twice a week, and that's helped me tremendously. And then the second thing really that I did was to go on an antidepressant and try that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's helped me enormously. So um, those two things have been a huge, huge positive there. And then um, irritability, unfortunately, was uh, raging in me. I was just very angry um, for many days in early sobriety and didn't know what to do with it. My husband didn't know what to do with it. Um, but I turned a corner and I joined um, a gratitudes group, and those mm-hmm. ladies are precious to me. Um, and we basically just encourage one another to look for the good in each day, and to be grateful for our blessings and try to see the positive. And um, and that really has helped me to get out of myself and um, and then also to do some service work and help others. Um, and chocolate, chocolate helps a lot too. Chocolate's good. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it's amazing to me. It'll. Uh, I was just going to say, it's amazing to me what gratitude can do to your to a day or to to a thought, to a moment, to anything. Gratitude is powerful. powerful definitely. Tool. Yeah. Um, 
two other things. The the variable concentration. Um, I was convinced in early sobriety that my mind was better on wine because I <laughs> didn't um, forget things yep. the way I do sometimes now. And an example of this is one morning I had um, dropped my five-year-old off at our preschool, and we had done well. We were on time in the morning, so I could just drop her off and actually not have to go in. So I decided to stay in my pajamas. And so, you know, no big deal. Just, you know, I could drop her off, get out of the car. Nobody would see me all good. Well, I had accidentally put my car keys in her daycare bag instead of my purse. And off she went, and I've got a keyless car. So halfway home, my car starts beeping, and I realize I can't shut it off and I can't go home and change because I can't get in. So I had to drive back to the preschool in my pajamas, walking in with just all grace and dignity to go get my car keys. Like, that's lovely. But it's just your mind, you know, unfortunately has to be wired. You've got to give it time, you know, and you've got to keep things simple. So basically I've cut back a lot of things in my life that I don't need to be doing until I can can get a little bit stronger. Yeah. Well, that's an awesome Um, story. (laughs) In hindsight, right at the moment, you were like, ah. Built character. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's great. The the last one that Um, I had thought about, um, too, for others, is is being tired and mm -hmm. and just that fatigue early on. I was so, so tired and didn't know what to do with it because you've got to keep going. And unfortunately now it's come back to me, but the posts and and just reminders of self-care, really, um, you know, to to take, take care of yourself and to slow down and, if you can nap or if you can, you know, take it easy or take a break. It was just so important to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned, um, Debbie, you mentioned that there were times where you felt that you could concentrate better when you were on wine, and I can I can totally relate to that, and I can, I can tell you, um, you know, for um, I well, hopefully, I'm I'm through the pause phase of my recovery, but you know, pause does pop up. Um, by the way, it can pop up after the two years, just randomly if we're, we're not practicing self care. But um, I know I used to. I thought the same thing, and it was like I was so much more. I felt I was so much more effective when I was drinking um, yeah. than I was once I quit drinking. That that didn't make any sense to me, and. Um, I mean, I can I can tell you that part of it was because I was in, in experiencing pause, and so my mind was all over the place. I you know it was trying to relearn how to do, I had to relearn how to do everything, um, and 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 um, but it did it did get better, and that um, I've heard people you know say well I just you know I I need to you know I need to drink to. You know, I have to be able to function at work, and the the thought didn't cross my mind um, just because I, like I said, I was just so thrilled to be sober, and I had I also had huge um, legal stuff hanging over my head that kept me <laughs> that kept me in line for a while there. Um, but <laughs> did um did did the thought ever occur to you? You know, like oh, I'll just you know do this, or how did you, how did you push through that thought, or what are um that, you know, oh, a glass of wine would help me concentrate more? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, You know, when I first started out, I went 56 days, and then I did relapse um, because I I didn't use tools. Um, So for me, I guess, you know, tools have been the biggest um, resource for me to, to, you know, fight back and to say, no, this is not what I want to do. 
um, you know, in, in terms of not having that glass of wine, you know, I just got back from a sober vacation, and a good friend recommended um, writing it out, playing it all the way through, and I did that as well. And, you know, you, you, you see how it ends, and, you know, it ends very badly, and it's just not where you want to go. So that was a, a powerful way to redirect, and honestly, a lot of prayer. I mean, I just, um, God's helped do this for me, and um, so that's, that's one of the first things that I go to. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that and that is so important just to have different tools um, and have an arsenal of tools, really. You know, we talk about a toolbox. We've done a couple shows on it, um, you know, and having more than one thing to go to because sometimes that first tool isn't really working at the moment. Um, so it is good that you have different tools. And I know for me, one of them is um, one of them for me in the beginning, especially, or even still now, was to pick up the phone. I would just get on the phone, mm-hmm. and I fortunately had a sober friend, and I'd be like, what is going on, and what do I do about this? And it's, um, I think it was always reassuring to me to know that I wasn't alone. Right, um, and it's hard to do that when you're just starting. You know, it's really hard to reach yeah. out, but it's, it's, so, it's so big. It's so helpful. Yeah, I think that, you know, that that's a, a, a common theme that comes up here again and again, and it's actually something that, you know, we encourage, too. There's so much to be said about having a community to know that, you know, you're not going crazy and that, uh, you know, and to just people to talk you through some of the difficult times. Absolutely. Um, so why don't we bring um, our next guest, into the conversation and um, hear a little bit about her experience. Um, Amy, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, Debbie, I just want to say that I've I've been uh, kind of reading your progress and, and been there, and, and um, you're, um, you're amazing. I'm so proud of you, and I loved the post that you um, wrote the other day about thinking through the drink and what would happen, and, and it, it was it was really powerful. So thank you Your for that, and congratulations. Um, so I'm 38. Uh, I have two little kiddos. Um, I've been married for 150 years. I don't know. I don't know how long I've been married. <laughs> A long, long time, since I was 23. And uh, I don't do math. I'm an English teacher. Um <laughs> And uh, I live in Lander, Wyoming, which is in the middle of nowhere, so I have no BSB meetups ever, which is very sad. Aww. Um, <laughs> I know. Welcome um, to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it, it's hard to get out of here in the winter, and it's hard with kids and so on and so forth. But um, I, ha- I have about 310 days sober, I think, at this wow. point. Wow. Um, That's awesome. Thank you. And uh, I, gosh, early sobriety just sucked. It just really sucked. <laughs> I was uh, I was writing a blog. Um, I'm I'm a teacher, so I I was off in the summer, and I I got sober on June 23rd. It was a long time coming. Um, I've always had a very I, I've always I think that I'm a very sensitive person, and I use drugs and alcohol to. Um, to try to, I use it as a buffer to, to sort of protect myself from all the feelings, um, and, uh, which really is hard to deal with um, now <laughs> that I'm sober. Um, but uh, I, I've been drinking pretty much dysfunctionally since I was in my early 20s. 
my mom died when I was in my mid-20s, and I just went um, all out and really never was able to rein it back from there, just kind of um, got to the point where I was getting drunk every night, and my husband and I kind of helped each other, and we were both very, uh, we were good at it. We were damn good alcoholics, and uh, we were high-functioning. Um, we we made it look easy until it didn't look easy anymore, and, you know, until you can't remember what happened the night before, and we found a rug that someone threw up on, but we and it was red wine, but we don't know who, and we don't know how it got where it was. I mean, just crazy things like that start to happen, so it all started to kind of fall apart, and... Um, we both got sober at the same time. Um, the day that I decided I was going to stop drinking for real, um, I got a text that morning, and the father of a fr- of a student of mine, rather, um, he was in his early 40s, a doctor in town, very well-known, well-liked, died of an overdose of drugs and alcohol. And wow. it it floored me. It really, I was like, wow, this, that could be me. And my, that poor student who I adore, she's a wonderful kid, brilliant kid. Um, she was just absolutely devastated. And I was like, wow, that could be my kids. And so that was a God shot for sure. Um, Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then it's one of those things where, uh, I'd never realized I didn't realize how sick I was until I stopped. And when mm-hmm. I stopped drinking, I I went through severe withdrawals. I had insomnia for two months. Um, mm-hmm. I have. The, I'm looking back at the post that I wrote, and I'm glad. I'm so glad that I kept a record of this, so I can go back and look at it. Um, I'm looking back four hours of sleep. You know, uh, three hours of sleep if I was lucky. And thank thank goodness I wasn't working at the time. I had the luxury of having a little bit of time off to deal with that. Um, But the early sobriety was so hard for me, and it really scared me because my symptoms were so severe. Um, The mood swings, the just the lethargy, the um, I it was just it was profound. And I I have I know when pause is, is hitting me. Because a, I start, I start talking to I, my self-talk becomes very negative. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell when I'm flipping on my self-care and on my sort of the all the the things that I've had to do to sort of um, I don't know improve myself through recovery. I can tell when, when that's flipping, and, and and then also I I, I get headaches. I get headaches that just won't go away, and it, there's nothing I can take, and they last for a couple of days. But at the beginning, it was just it was like a thirty-six day headache. <laughs> so wow, it was really it was really tough. Um, and and there were times where I was like, God, it'd just be easier if I would if we were just drinking. We were fine, you know. And then of course I I realized that. Well, I, I guess I did that for I, I white knuckled it for about a week. I felt absolutely terrible. I wasn't getting any sleep. And then I started um, I started googling alcoholics and and women, mothers who are alcoholic and women who are alcoholic. And I started reading blogs. And I started, that's the night that I started my own blog, just to reach out to something. I just think that any recovery program, 
a key component of any recovery program is a community of some sort um, and having mm-hmm. that contact yep. with other alcoholics and, and bouncing those ideas off and, and having people say, oh, yeah, I totally get that and me too. And um, and so that was that was a huge turning point for me. I don't think that I I don't I can't imagine that I would have made it through without finding that the blogging community and the blogging community of course led me to the bubble hour. The bubble hour of course led me to the BFB and um that's been that's I mean the BFB is, is my rock. Um and uh <laughs> yeah. And it, I it, I think I, I I feel I I just I wish that everybody could figure out that they need that community. I think that's the the key, you know, wherever you can find it, whatever recovery program works. Um, it's just some sort of support system beyond sort of your your friends and your family who might not get it. You know, other alcoholics. I think that's just so key. Um, yeah, that so is. I think this is um. This is a story. Well, Amy, that this is Amanda. That that's um, awesome and incredibly inspiring. And and I and I do. I love what you said. It's so many people. I think feel. And I know for me, even. I mean, granted, I wasn't thinking about getting sober, but I, I it would never have occurred to me to find a community um, to help me do anything. That you know, never right. mind getting sober, because that's something that. You know, I was, you know, ashamed of and, you know, the fact that I had a problem with alcohol and I just felt that I could absolutely do this on my own because I am all powerful and I can do everything. And, oh, my God, just, you know, if if anyone's thinking that, do yourself a favor and reach out and ask, you know, and get help and get a community because this is something it's completely foreign territory for all of us. Like, like you said, Amy, you and your husband, you were, like, good at it. I totally get that. My my ex-husband and I were, like, professional drinkers, and he was my drinking buddy. And, and for a long time, you know, drinking did work for us until it didn't. Um, right. And, um, but, you know, and but we had it down, you know, down down to a science. And, you know, so it, it was just, it's what, it, it was so much a part of everything that I did, that you kind of need to be with people that being sober is so much a part of everything that they do. Um, and yeah. it's um, it just makes, you know, like you said, you know, having the people that can say, me too, that's um, such a powerful phrase to me. Right, right, um, yeah. Just to know that you're not alone. And I think yeah. that it's so easy to, you know, even – even if you're just reading blogs, just like, you know, kind of, and, and and also I think that alcoholics isolate. I mean, that's what we do when we're we're thinking that, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've planned a relapse, right? And I just have to call myself out and be like, okay. <laughs> so I have this interesting thought <laughs> and my community <Yeah. laughs> like, totally grounds me. And, uh, um, man, it's that, yeah. So I think just knowing that you're not sorry, alone. Sorry, this is Debbie, but I was just there. thinking. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just had to throw in right now. It's Deb. Yeah. Um, okay. The whole cunning, baffling, powerful, because right. it's just, yeah, it'll come out of nowhere, like you just said. You think you're going along happy as a clam, 
and sobriety is so wonderful, and then suddenly you're planning your relapse, and you're like, what the hell just happened? Right. It's yeah. just crazy. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, it is, and um, and that's that's why having having that community that's that's there that isn't, and it, you know the the great thing about the BFB, and we're all part of the BFB, so we all kind of understand this is is that there is that it's it's loving and forgiving, and I know no matter what I'm thinking, even if I think it's awful, even if I think I'm a bad person for thinking it, I could go to the BFB and be like, hey, I've got this going on, um, what do you guys think? And I could get some feedback, and I'm not going to get, like, blasted for it. Right. You know? Um, yeah, it's very positive. You and Yeah, you get support. I mean, it's very forgiving, and um, and that's that's been really powerful. And I would say this is Amanda. I, and, and that, um, and again, the, the BFB is a, the uh, online group that we're a part of, but that, you know, I experienced the same thing because I actually didn't join I didn't um, the BFB until I was ooh, I don't know a year well until we started the bubble hour and I think I was I was either a year and a half or two and a half years sober I, I I'm I'm not <laughs> tracking time well I think a year and a half <laughs> anyways I didn't join the BFB until then but I went to recovery meetings on a daily basis and you know and that was my experience there as well that I would go to people and I would say something and you kind of like say it and cringe like oh my god what are these people they're going to think I'm insane right, right. and you know and there'd be like 10 people <laughs> nodding their heads like oh yeah me too I'm like oh yeah. okay thank god you know uh-huh. and um and it's so refreshing to be able to get those things out and to have people explain, you know, like, oh, you know, I would ask, I would ask, like, I personally would ask anything, you know, I'd be like, I'm dealing with this, you know, someone, someone tell me how to deal deal with it, and that would that helped me so much, like the the silliest things, the sleep thing. Oh my God, the sleep thing that I I just I remember you know getting like three hours of sleep and I was I was fortunate as well to have five weeks off of work to you know kind of get myself together and I can't even imagine if I didn't like because I, I was it was it was hard it was really hard right. you know sitting there at three o'clock in the morning three o'clock not two not one or two three o'clock in the morning like do do do. Okay, am I gonna fall asleep anytime soon? Hmm, and the worst, you know, and it just mm-hmm. wasn't happening. And then, you know, in the middle of the day, all of a sudden you'd be ready to fall asleep. So I learned to do that, to just do what my body needed me to do. Right. Um, yeah, I think this is Amy. I think that's a huge part of of what I've learned in recovery is um, I never. Uh, I think the big wake-up call for me is I I didn't take care of myself, and I always I always thought, oh, you know, whatever. That's that's what selfish people do. They they take care of themselves, you know. <laughs> um, which, uh, but you really I have to like that's something that I have to make time for now, and um, and I figured out that that's that's actually a valuable use of my time. <laughs> Taking yeah, care so, of myself isn't, isn't a waste of, of my time. It, it's something that's key. Um, and it's something that I, I mean, I think it's, you know, alcohol sort of, that's how I used to unwind and mitigate any anxiety that I had or, um, and, and now I, I've kind of turned to, um, taking care of myself (laughs) and it's actually really wonderful, (laughs) you know, it's much more productive. (laughs) My liver's much happier for it. So... (laughs) 
Are we and all? It is, and then, it is. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. It's this is Debbie, but we often do. You're so right, Amy. We put ourselves last, you know, and especially I think as as moms, you know, mm-hmm. we take care of everybody else's needs and their activities and their stuff and get everything done and you know, even for my husband and make sure that, you know, he's all set. And then you come at the very, you know, end of the line and and that's just honestly why I started to drink, you know, just to get myself through those hard times and numb it out. And in early sobriety, I realized something had to give, and I had right. to put myself first. And I really had to carve out those boundaries and say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make time to go to recovery meetings and self-care, and, and I'm going to go take a hot bath if I need to during dinner. You guys can carry on. And, and it's really so important and you're not to not look at it as being selfish, but to look at it as you're right. you're saving your life. Great. And, Absolutely. Um, I feel like I'm a much better role model for my children. You know, even if I'm not yeah. totally like I'm not doing 24/7 crafts with them, but I'm, you know, I'm like, <laughs> mommy, mommy needs you guys need to back off, go find something to do. They're they're doing more imaginary things by themselves and doing more um, independent things and. Um, and they they're like, okay, mommy needs some quiet time. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I think that's really ultimately that's that's a good thing. That's a good. Um, I'm I'm becoming a better role model for them. Yeah. Well, and you well, think about it, that is good for your kids because I mean, kids do need to. I mean, you as much as we'd like to, we don't have people to entertain us our whole lives. So you know, right. kids do need to learn how to do those things on their own and. And it is, you know, that's, um, you know, that's a whole thing with boundaries with your children and boundaries, you know, with your spouses or people in your life. And and I think um, women fall victim to this even more so than men, especially moms. Um, that you know, we like you said, we put ourselves at the bottom of the list. I'm not a I'm not a mom, and I still manage to put myself at the bottom of the list. It was like a whole new thing for me to say, hey, wait a minute, my recovery comes first. And, and right. Um, you're right in what you were saying. It's 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 life or death. I mean, I know when we when we talk about with this with people. I mean, Amy, you said it. You decided to get sober, and someone in your town OD'd that day. Mm-hmm. And um, yep. that that is, you know, it is a sign, and it happens all the time. You know, you see some of these obituaries of young people dying, and you know they say, oh, whatever they choose to say in the newspaper. A lot of times, it is, you know, it's. It is drug or alcohol related, and you know this is a, it is a big deal what we're doing here. So I think that's that is so important. Finding the time and putting ourselves at the top of the list is huge. Absolutely. Um, so just so we can, I, I want to get, bring Deb into the conversation, and then we can we can all talk together some more. So Deb, um, welcome to the Bubble Hour, and. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey into sobriety? Okay, thank you so much for having me. Um, you on the other side of this kind of thing because I'm a TV news producer, so I like to do things in the background. But I'm excited <laughs> to um, to share my story tonight because anything I can give back, I'm thrilled to do for everything that you three ladies have done for me on the BFB and. Um, it's just great to be able to share. Um, so I am 45 now, yikes. Um, I have a great nine-year-old boy, and I've been married 10 years. 
um, to a, I guess we call him a normie, although he might be a step below a normie because he just, he could care less about drinking. He always says um, hmm. he did all his damage in his 20s and early 30s and got it out of his system like I wish maybe I would have done. And, uh, you know, he just um, takes it or leave it, like have a beer after mowing the lawn and just one, like, you know, who does that? So annoying. Um <laughs> But, um, yeah, I I guess I had a lot of similarities with Deb's story, Debbie's story. Um, well, except she said she didn't drink in high school. I did start drinking in high school. I lived in New Hampshire, um, out in the country, in the woods. That's all we had to do. That's what we did. So I started drinking at 14 with everybody else in the woods, at the bonfires and the beach and I loved it from the beginning, quite frankly. I really loved it. Um, and I was never a shy person or anything like that, I don't think, before drinking. It, it just it brought me out, my large personality out even more. Um, I just loved everything about it. And I went along my merry way through high school and college. And, you know, everybody, I drank the same as everybody around me, and I didn't think it was any big deal, never thought anything about it. Um, I was also a professional dieter from probably the age of 14. So I now in recovery um, and in doing a lot of reflecting the past few months, I was thinking about how much, how many long stretches of time that I would go without drinking. And it was never a big deal to me um, because I was always dieting and it was the first thing to go because, you know, I was going to eat my calories, definitely not waste them on beer. Um, so, you know, I had long periods, and it was not a big deal to me. So I guess the big change was when I finally decided at age, oh, gosh, I don't know, what was it, 2008, um, to have gastric bypass surgery because I had been doing the weight battle my whole life and gained and lost 75, 100 pounds um, many times over finally decided I just couldn't take it anymore and decided to go for it. So I had a very successful gastric bypass, and I lost 150 pounds. Um, and I was happy and feeling great, and I hadn't drank for years at that point, really, um, because I was always dieting and doing last-minute shake diets and drastic things to try to avoid having the surgery. Um, and they told us in the support group meetings that it was not a good idea to drink <clears throat> after having the surgery. Um, they just said, you know, your body's going to process the alcohol differently and you're going to get drunk really fast and it's just bad all around. There's no, no room for it. So don't even go there. And I really never thought about it. And, um, obviously I went there eventually and that's when everything just changed. That was when the switch was flipped for me. Um, I don't know, how, would I have become an alcoholic without that surgery? I don't know the answer to that. It doesn't really matter. I I used it as an excuse to keep drinking for far too long because I kept thinking and telling everyone, oh, it's just because of my surgery. It's, you know, that's all it is. But it really doesn't matter what the reason is or how it happened because it happened. And, um, right. You know, I was a really good drunk, and I had some good years, so my major drinking problem has been the past four or five years, I'd say. Um, and the first few years, you know, it started slow, like everything. It's progressive, and 
I was the kind of drinker who got things done, and I was at my best when I was drinking. So I would whip up gourmet meals every night and clean the house like a crazy person. The laundry was always done. Um, you know, my son was very well taken care of. I That's just the way I, I was like, if I can be happy and drink and no one gives me a hard time about my drinking, my end of the bargain is everything will be perfect. Right. So... um got away with that for a while and then you know it just kept getting worse and it was like suddenly I was having to buy boxes of wine and starting to realize that the bottles were getting embarrassing in the recycling bin and things just were you know getting worse and worse and I was getting up passing out at you know eight o'clock after drinking from four to eight after school and then getting up at two, three in the morning and I'd start drinking again and it was really getting bad and I was getting scared. <clears throat> so, um, my husband had, you know, expressed concern to me several times, but the times I would try to not drink, I was such a horrible witch and so miserable that the poor guy didn't know what was worse. Um, there were times he would just be like, I'm going to the store to get you a bottle of wine. And we laugh about that now because we think how insane did it get that he would actually would do that for me because I was so miserable when I wasn't drinking. Um, But finally, um, I think God sent me an angel in the form of a mom that I met at my son's Little League game a couple summers ago. And I do believe to this day that it was all for a reason. And um, we got pretty close pretty quick and she fortunately had a lot of experience with alcoholics in her life and realized pretty quickly that I was in trouble. And um, she hooked me up with a good friend of hers who is famous on the BFB. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to name names, but he's pretty much a celebrity. And um, I was lucky enough to hook up with him. Um, if Amanda, if you think it's okay. I don't know if I should yeah, say names. Yeah, so it's Jeff Bertolette, <laughs> famous, wonderful. Um, and I, I guess do I should think say, normally this... I would say no, but Jeff doesn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> but we know Jeff would be fine with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Somewhere he's so dancing around just, a kitchen. Yeah, he's like, yay, Karen, Karen, can you hear this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it took a long time, um, but... Jeff hooked me up with Amanda and the BFB, and I started really thinking about getting serious, and it took a good four or five months um, for me to get serious and a lot of failed attempts on my own of just getting, you know, two days and three days. I think I made it five days once, and I could never, ever make it more than that. Um, But I wasn't willing to go to any lengths, and I thought, just like Amanda said, that really hit me. I was very accomplished. I have always taken care of myself, and I could do this. And I remember actually crying on the phone to Amanda one day, um, and just I was drunk as a skunk. It was 10 in the morning, I think, and just saying, well, I'm not going to go to AA. I'm not one of those losers. And she was like, Deb, let me ask you a question. Do you think I'm a loser? And I was like, oh, my God, no, I think you're amazing. And I was like, okay, then, open mouth and surf foot. But um, I remember she said, just pack your stuff. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> I was like, I have a PTO meeting, and I have to bring cupcakes to school tomorrow, and there's no time for that. And um, just in hindsight, God, if this helps anyone, um, 
God, do I wish I had let her pick me up. Damn, I wish so much that I had just let you pick me up that day because that would have been the best thing in the world for me, and instead I wasted a good three more months drinking. But, you you know, everybody's story is their own. Yeah, you got to figure it out the way you have to figure it out. But um, So I finally, um, it wasn't like a big aha moment. I had been peeing my bed or falling asleep and peeing my recliner every night for months. Um, I was blacking out routinely. I had crossed lines that I swore I would never cross. I had done some drinking and driving, but I told myself it was fine because it was less than a mile to the liquor store, and that's the only time I would do it because that was an emergency. Um, And I was drinking red wine out of my coffee cup at the bus stop in the morning, Um, lines that I, you know, thought, well, that would just be somebody who's like seriously has a problem but suddenly you know that was like okay too so how I managed to work during this time there's no words I don't even know how I functioned but bottom line is I finally got my butt to um, an amazing place Emerson Hospital in Concord Massachusetts that definitely saved my life and I was too afraid to go away I didn't want to leave my family so I found a half-day program and I needed that structure. God, did I need that. And it was wonderful. Um, I needed to pee in a cup every day. Uh, if I had gone home from there, I mean, I might have drank. I remember going to my first mm-hmm. um, recovery meeting, and it was unfortunately a bad meeting. And I used that as an excuse to drink for several more months um, because there were people there that were drunk. I was like, well, what the hell is this? I'm not that bad. I wouldn't come to the meeting drunk. Um, but it happens and you know that was my first experience with it and unfortunately you know that was my first but since I found amazing meetings and wonderful people but I guess that's my story I started um, my journey in January January 6th was my first day and I did have a relapse Um, I believe it was on day 80 Um, and it was very bad um, you know, my mind was doing the whole, well, I've got this now, it's been 80 days, obviously I'm fine, um, so I'm going to just go for it. And let me tell you, when they say that your disease does push-ups and weights for you, um, man, that is not just some cheesy slogan because I started drinking at 4 o'clock in an airport in Florida, and I don't really remember anything until I woke up at 3 o'clock on my kitchen floor in Boston Um, with a full chicken dinner with stuffing and potatoes and carrots in the oven, Um, which I'm kind of sort of chuckling at a little bit now because it's, thank God, nothing happened, but I could have burnt my house down and I could have died, and it was that bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would never wish a relapse on anyone, and I wouldn't ever, ever recommend it, but I do believe for me it was part of my journey, and it was probably one of the most significant things Um, and best things to happen to me because it scared the living daylights out of me. And that's when I finally got it. And I thought, and that's the day I realized I cannot drink. My brain has changed forever. I can never drink again. Mm -hmm. So that's my story. And I hope it wasn't too long. (laughs) No, not at all. That was, that was, that was great. Um, And thank you so much, Deb. Um, So, you know, um, 
just when you talk about, um, you know, having a relapse after, you know, 80 days, which was, you know, that's a, a pretty decent amount of time. I mean, well, one thing that strikes me with all that, everything that you're saying is, you know, um, and we, I've, we've said this before, heard it before, you know, we have a disease that tells us we don't have a disease. Um, right. And, it's, you know, it's a disease of the mind. So, I mean, that's the, that's the reason why we talk about um you know, staying vigilant, you know, and that we constantly, it's, it's, you know, I have a disease, it's incurable, um, and it's something that I, ha- I have to manage on a daily basis. Like, I cannot, that's why it has to come first in, um, you know, in my life. And and um, because we have, you know, like you said, we hear so many people say, oh, yeah, well, I got this. And, you know, um, and there's times I've, just, you know, I, I guess I, I, you know, for me, I continue to go to meetings to, you know, and then I, you know, so I can, I hear what happens to people who don't go to meetings. I don't know if you, any of you have ever heard that, but um, yeah. basically, mm-hmm. it, you know, and, and but even when we do all of that, um, as we had talked about earlier, having different tools um, and different experiences in our life, I guess, you know, like you said, Deb, um you this relapse almost had to happen because it gave you that experience of okay I know what happens now now I yep. you know I I know I have to really you know power through the next time that thought comes through it can be very hard to do um, and I just I am terrible at asking questions I am all over the place right now but I guess I was <laughs> going to ask all of you um, you know what so how do you get through those kind of moments where it's like you know your your brain is is saying well you're okay now or or you know just this one um you know it'll make you feel better it'll make you work better um mm-hmm. how do you how do you get through those moments anyone have any thoughts reach well, out um, um yes yeah, i mean that's exactly what i was going to say you have to reach out um even and i what i've seen from other folks that have been in that situation is they they close off. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've had to I've had to I mean that's so I'm 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 such I'm very personal, and um, like I talked I I talk a lot to my really close friends, um, but it's really it's really hard for me to reach out. It's really hard for me, especially when it's something that uh, it's like a weakness. You know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. I'm having to ask for help. I'm outside of my comfort zone. God, that's hard. And that is exactly what I've had to learn how to do mm-hmm. in order to make this work. And I, I have no doubt that if I hadn't figured that out early on, that I would have relapsed. That I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't have any sobriety. And I, who knows where I would be? But that's for me. It's that. That's the key. Is reaching out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe you said that yeah. well. This is Debbie, and it, it's just, it's key that, and, and you said we had to learn how to do it, and that's so true because when you first start out, you know, you don't want a community. You want to do it on your own. You know, the last thing you want to do is is tell somebody that you're hurting and you're weak and you're thinking, cause, you know, you're thinking about drinking. The last thing you want to do when you're hurting is reach out, but it's just crucial, you know, right. to to, you know, post or call a friend or, you know, anybody, and and just get that me too, and I understand, and I get it, and you know, thanks for calling, and, and you know, it's just it's amazing how it can help. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I what agree. You, this is Deb. Um, yeah, for me, it was definitely the... Um, the meetings, I was dead set that I was going to get sober, but there no way was I going to those meetings. I, You know, Amanda, from day one, I thought, that's where the losers go and hang out in the basement, and I am not going there. I don't care what happens in my life. I will not go there. I was adamant, and it took me so long. And then, of course, Lucky Me goes to a meeting where someone was drunk, right? And um yeah, I ran out of there and hightailed it home to my box and thought, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, thank God, I finally, once Emerson, I used Emerson as an excuse because I said, well, I'm basically in a meeting all day at Emerson. I'm not going to bother with that nonsense. And then once Emerson was done, I thought, if I don't fill this time, well, I'm going to have a problem. And I missed that interaction with everybody at my support group. So I started meeting shopping, and it took a while, and I'm still shopping, actually. Um, but I, I'm telling you, there's nothing more amazing to me than walking into one of those crazy basements at any hour of the day in any city and finding my people. And it Mm -hmm. is the best feeling. And then last week I stopped into one at one o'clock in the afternoon. There was a table, the length of a room full of baked goods. I'm like, okay, I'm all set. I found my people now. Like, it's so fun, and everyone's so happy and so grateful and so, like, joyful. It's amazing. It's the best feeling. And for me, I think that's going to be the key moving forward is just, um, you know, connecting with more people to do things. And, oh, I just wanted to mention one thing, though, which I know Debbie just did, that I'm so proud of you, Deb, because I know vacation was rough for you and just, Seeing how you handled all that was so inspiring to me. It was amazing. Um, And then, oh, playing it forward. So when I want a drink, I laugh at myself because I don't want one drink. I want 10 or 20. And it's going to end with me on the kitchen floor with my oven on fire. So that's what I do every time now because it's never, ever going to be enough. There will never be enough wine to satisfy me, and it will never end well. So true. <laughs> it's so true. Um, this is Amanda. So, um, yeah, the the pay, playing it forward. I I know exactly where I will go. I will get arrested. That's just it's just how I roll. <laughs> or or um, dancing like on the bar naked or something. You know, one or the Ooh, other. But yeah. neither, neither one's really what I want to do. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the asking for help, I do, I, you know, whether, you know, it be the universe, my higher power, whatever you want to call it, I had, um, that is huge, asking for help. I um, I lost my license for 17 months, and so I had to ask for help on a daily basis, and I, mm. I think that was because I had to be trained. It was, I was not a person mm-hmm. who was going to ask for help ever, 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 mm-hmm. and I still have a hard time now when it comes to other things. Um, you know, I just, you know, putting up my, um, the umbrella on my, whatever, my outside table, you know, my friend stopped by and he's like, um, he, he was like, I thought you were going to have me help you with that. And I was like, yeah, but I forgot to ask you when you were here. And so I just did it on my own and did, you know, and he just shook his head at me. Like the thing weighs like 40 pounds and you got to, it's a high table. So I had to lift it over my head. I had to crawl up on the table. But, you know, God forbid I wait a day and get, you know, yeah. get help from someone. And so, you huh. know, 
I had to be trained in that, you know, and I think it's 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 um <laughs> it's interesting to me too because you can carry these things through to the rest of your life as well. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, the um the the coolest people go to go to recovery meetings and it's so fun being with people that um <laughs> you know, share the same experiences that we do and when you say that you've you know, when you, that you'll end up you know, pass out on your kitchen floor with the, um, you know, it, with the house on fire or something like that. People can relate. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's <laughs> we've all done stuff like that. I certainly have mm-hmm. plenty, plenty of times. Um, what about um, the, some of some other things, Deb? Did you did you have any trouble with sleeping or? Tiredness? Oh God, yes. Yeah, I'm still having problems, to be honest. Um, But you know what's so weird? On my worst day, of my worst night of sleep sober is still better than my best night when I was drinking. Because how I managed, I mean, I probably slept three or four hours a night when I was drinking, but it was that drunk sleep that's completely useless. Um, So even now when I have a bad night, I just can have an extra cup of coffee and I feel like a million bucks. And that those are yeah. the small gifts that add up every day that you just don't realize, like Amy said, how bad it was until you get out of it. Um, but, yeah, I did. I had um, – I was really scared, and Amanda tried to scare me, as she rightly should have, and a lot of people did, about detoxing at home on my own. But I did do it, and I was lucky. I only had really bad night sweats. Um, but then I had no sleep for – I think it was my third week at Emerson that they actually came to me and said they were concerned about me and that I looked like hell and they wanted me to get, you know, get some help and get a sleeping pill. So I did get some help with that, which was great, and I just really wanted to get off of it recently. So now I'm starting that whole whole thing again, trying to sleep at night. Um, but irritability, um, yeah, if you want to let my husband come on the phone, um, that could be interesting. <laughs> God almighty, what we do to our spouses during this time. Although, Amy, you said you guys got sober together, which I think is awesome. That's so Impressive. fantastic that you could do that together. Um, yeah, it's been a challenge, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, this is, too. It's, it's, it's like learning to live all over again. Like, I exactly. could not cook dinner for you know at least six or eight weeks i told him i can't be in the kitchen that is my happy time that's my trigger that's when i start drinking is when i cook and i was like sorry you know and we've been eating cereal and frozen waffles and everyone's happy and it's not that big of a deal all the reasons that i said i would not quit drinking none of them have come to pass i thought i'd lose all my friends um my friends have been amazing um one in particular might be listening right now. I love you, Lynn. And, you know, she was kind of my drinking buddy. She was one of my friends who I thought, okay, my drinking's fine because she's always drinking right along with me. And I hope she doesn't mind me telling this story. But, you know, what happened, I finally realized when I was willing to look at it, is that I was done a half a box while we were hanging at the pool, and she'd still have a half a bottle in my fridge. And I thought she was drinking all day with me, but she had a glass and a half. And, you know, <laughs> the stories you tell yourself. and But yet right. my half a box, which is two bottles, were gone, and I was far from done. So right. um been weird. It's all just I'm still learning every day. It's still so new to me. And it's hard. I mean, 
You know, suddenly I try to make plans to do lunch or go for a walk, but everyone's busy and it's it's tough and it was so easy to get together when I was drinking. But I just I can't I'm not ready for any of that yet. So it's it's slow, it's baby steps, it's learning to live. Everything's new, everything. But it's all good. Mm-hmm. And it is so yes, important to better. take baby steps and be gentle on yourself and just do what you need to do. Um, and and actually, that's it. I mean, Amy, it's a little bit different because your husband's going through the same thing, but it's I'm sure it's still challenging. Um, you know, how how has it been with um, you know Deb and Debbie with your your well and Amy too with your your spouses and explaining to them. You know, do they understand that some of the some of these things that you're going through are related to you getting sober? I mean, there's I have been single the whole time, um, it, it, so it's been different for me. But you know, how do you explain to someone? You know, this these symptoms can last for a couple of years. You know, so you're mm. a year and a half sober, and all of a sudden you have like a, you know, you're just you have just like this huge you're you have you're having mood swings. You know how mm-hmm. how do you communicate that, or have have you learned ways to communicate that? Because I think that I mean that's something that's important to do too. Would have uh, any of you had any experience with that? Well, I have Amy. Um, ahead, Amy. My my husband and I had to go to therapy to figure out how to communicate. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And we had a lot of a lot of other sort of external challenges. He's he's been on a different kind of recovery journey. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't do any of the. He doesn't have a recovery program, and it's working for him. That's fine. I just try to keep my side of the street clean. Um, yeah. You know. So that it and that's very. It's different. Yes, he's not drinking, but we have very different philosophies about how we are recovering, and we've had to completely learn. Like it's all new. We had to completely learn how to communicate. It was like being married to a different person. Um, because he's he's in recovery, and I mean we our our marriage was largely predicated on um, on you know good happy drinking times, and we had to figure we had to figure a lot of shit out. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, and it, it and it's been hard, um, and it, you know, and I think yeah he, he does yes he does understand it, and I man I admire uh, the crap out of all of the the people that have spouses that are still drinking. I don't know how you guys do that. That is amazing to me. Um I I would struggle with that because my my husband and I were we're we're best friends and and we you know if do you want do you want do you want to get a lemon pie? Sure. Okay, cool. I'm going to eat half of this. Are you going to eat half of this? Sure. You know, I mean we're like each other's <laughs> worst conspirator slash frenemy yeah. slash whatever. Um, so I, my hat off to all of those folks out there that have gotten sober in a house, in a drinking house. I don't know how you've done it. Yeah, um, seriously. And that's, that's amazing. So. Yeah, I, um, I agree. Do we still have time? Are we, we okay? Yep. Yeah, we have, um, um, we have, um, we should wrap up soon. We have, um, but we do have a half hour if we need to. But we've we've reached an hour. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I do. This is, you know, I think we should get going, carry on, and we'll we'll uh, start to wrap and wind down. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Debbie. This is Debbie, and and just to talk about that drinking piece, because my my husband absolutely was my drinking buddy and and best friend, and you know, it it definitely was. 
intertwined with everything we did from tailgates to Friday nights to, um, you know, cooking dinner, you name it, you know, Sunday football, whatever we were doing, you know, whether we were going bowling or, you know, even movies, we would choose places where, we, where there was drinking. Um, it's what we enjoyed together. And when I, you know, finally realized that I needed to get sober, that I needed, you know, my life back, um, it was very hard because I went through the irritability, you know, and I was angry and he kept drinking, you know, and, and I got the wine out of the house, but, you know, he would open up a beer and I'm looking at him and, you know, the resentment and the anger and the frustration and I didn't know what to do with it. And, you know, it was just very, um, very, very difficult. And it, it really did um, force me to find my community, to find my tribe, to find my people that could relate and then, you know, when I found the recovery meetings, for the most part, I would try to go during the day when the kids were at school and she was at work. But then there were a couple of meetings that, that were wonderful and I really wanted to go to in the evening. And then that became our argument. Well, your meetings are more important than our family Ooh. and you're addicted to your meetings and, you know, you're addicted to these mm-hmm. other people and alcoholics. And, oh, and it was just really... You know, it, it, it has been um, turbulent. I will definitely say that. Um, yeah. And I even flew to, to a meetup in Atlanta, you know, to go meet 26 other people, online friends that I had never met in real life, and, you know, book this airplane ticket. He's like, okay, you're booking a ticket to go see online alcoholic friends in Atlanta? I'm like, yes, yeah, I am. But, there again, I think crazy, <laughs> but yes, I am. Um, I think the boundary piece. You know, unfortunately, there's many moments that I felt like an island, living in my own sober little home, and I've mm-hmm. had to draw boundaries and detach and say, I have to do this for me. You know, I have to be willing to go to any lengths. I love you, but you, you have got to let me do it. So it's. Yep. Um, it's just the most important thing, you know. So if you're if you're home and you hear this and your spouse drinks, it's so doable. But but plug in and you know to other to other people that can help you. That's um, awesome. And we're Deb, gonna do a show I, on that, Debbie. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea, Amanda. Um, this is Deb, and I just had a question for Debbie because um, I wonder about this. Even though he's still drinking. Does he see that you're happier, and does he feel like this is a good change for you and for your family overall? He finally does. I mean, it's taken, oh. it took about 100 days until... Thank God. Yeah, but, he, but you know, he finally does. And, and to be honest, now I've moved way past his drinking. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I can, you know, look oh, right past it. And great. I'm in my own, you know... Um, That's awesome. But, yeah, to hear that, you know, I'm proud of you and, and see the changes is, is, was a huge thing. Mm, We're getting there. Good. Yeah, that's that's, that's Um, nice. So this is Deb, and, ooh, sorry. Um, This is Deb, and I'll just answer that real quick, too. And I just wanted to say that it's been tough, and there's been ups and downs. Um, But I'm so happy to report that we've made, like, a huge breakthrough, because while I was saying he would go to the store and buy wine for me at one point, um, and now... Sometimes I still get the crazy thoughts, like Amy said, even this far along, and it's not far along, but almost four months into it. um, I will say, like the other day, we went away for school vacation for a couple days, and I was like, 
just it's like being a Pavlov dog. I go away, I drink. So I thought, oh, well, you know, a beer would be really good tonight because that's not my problem. Wine's my problem. So, you know, what's the big deal? I'm like, I think I'm going to order a beer with dinner. And he started laughing. And he's like, no, you're not. And I said, well, I can do whatever I want. And that was always the problem because when he would tell me you've had enough or don't, don't I, it would just trigger me to drink yeah. more because I was like, no one tells me what to do. Um, mm-hmm. But so now the changes have been so profound for our family that we're both fighting for it. Like he would, I can't even imagine what he would do if I tried to order a beer. In fact, that night he made an executive decision that we were going to Friendly's because I couldn't <laughs> order any alcohol there. Right. <laughs> and I was kind of like, I'm not going to really do it. But the fact that I had it in my head and that I, um, you know, verbalized it was like, yeah, friendly is probably a good idea, you know? Um, so I'm really grateful and he's totally supportive and is it all peachy keen and roses every day? No, I mean, it's like any marriage, but it's that whole life on life's terms thing. And I used to just reach for the drink, anything that bothered me, any stress, anything, that was the solution because I just didn't deal with anything. But now I do, and it's really not that bad. Well, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, well, I'm going to just um, – we're getting near the end. I'm just going to read off. I had gotten this online, and these are just some really good tips on um, how to get through some of the um, some of the pause symptoms. And uh, one is to be patient. You can't hurry recovery, but you can get through it one day at a time. If you resent post-acute withdrawal or try to bulldoze your way through it, you will become exhausted. And when you're exhausted, you will think about using to escape. So pause symptoms are a sign that your brain is recovering. Therefore, don't resent them and remember to be grateful and even after one year, you're only halfway there. So just hang in there. You know, it will get better. Um, go with the flow. Withdrawal symptoms are uncomfortable, but the more you resent them, the worse they'll seem. You have lots of good days over the next two years. Enjoy them. You'll also have lots of bad days. On those days, don't try to do too much. Take care of yourself. Focus on your recovery, and you'll get through it. Um, practice self-care. We've heard a lot about that tonight. Um, Give yourself lots of little breaks over the next two years. Tell yourself, what I am doing is enough. Be good to yourself. Um, That is what most addicts can't do, and that's what you must learn in recovery. Recovery is the opposite of addiction. Sometimes you'll have a little energy energy or enthusiasm for anything. Understand this and don't overbook your life. Give yourself permission to focus on your recovery. And I think for women um, and moms especially, you know, overbooking your life, I mean, think about how overbooked your life has been. Um, it wasn't so much for me, but I know I, I hear my friends talking about the things that they're mm-hmm. doing for their kids. And you know what? You don't have to do it all. Your husband's allowed to do mm-hmm. some things. You don't have to. Sometimes you drop a kid off at a game. You don't have to necessarily attend every game. Like I think back to and I look at what moms are doing now and, I had great mm-hmm. parents, and they, they weren't sitting on the sidelines through every last one yep. of my games or attending every birthday party. Or It's kind of crazy, the expectations that have been put yep. on parents today, I think. Um, you know, yeah, that's a great the, point, Amanda. The, says the woman that doesn't have any children, but, I, I, you know, as an outsider, <laughs> I can say it's kind of crazy. You know, and, and yeah. I also, and I, and, um, and I just have to say, <laughs> I guess this is my little... Uh, I'm up on a soapbox here. Um, but, 
know, it's it's. I feel like um, it's it's a it's that um, moms today, or not moms, parents today, are they're they're these things are happening because it's it's people are trying to outdo each other, and um, yep. you know, wouldn't it be nice to go back to older times and simpler times? Like we don't have to do all these things. I uh, I yeah. had my um, I had someone was throwing a party. And I, that I was helping out with, and she was going to buy all these Disney princess things, you know, like paper plates and stuff <laughs> like that. I'm like, you are not buying that crap. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, you're not paying an extra ten dollars. I'm like, the kid doesn't care. I promise you. And they go and in the like, garbage. Exactly. So, um, anyways, <laughs> I got way off track. That's a great point, Amanda. I know we're wrapping. Up. Um, but it's Deb, and I just want to say that I've learned in the past few months one of the biggest things for me is is not having plans has been, like, life-changing. And I would yeah. be so trying to be the perfect alcoholic, um, high-functioning mom that I would plan these elaborate play dates, I would have kids over, I'd make these elaborate craft projects and baking and all this bullshit, and I'd dredge my way through it, either hungover or drinking. And now... I don't set up a damn thing. I'm like, go outside and see if the kid next door wants to play basketball. And I'm telling you, my kid has never been happier. Never been happier. <laughs> my children yeah, I'm just like, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's, awesome. it's been really uh, life-changing. It's, it's okay. We're all going to be okay without a perfect play date six days a week. Right. Yep, that's right. <laughs> All right, a couple more here. We have, uh, pause can trigger can be a trigger for relapse. So you'll go for weeks without any withdrawal symptoms, and then one day you'll wake up with a withdrawal, and your withdrawal will hit you like a ton of bricks. You'll have slept badly. You'll be in a bad mood. Your energy will be low. And if you're not prepared for it, if you think that pause only lasts for a few months or if you think that you'll be different and it won't be as bad for you, then you'll get caught off guard. So... But if you know what to expect, you can get through it. So just remember, you know, all these things can happen, and you know, just be prepared. And when you when you when you see it happening, recognize it and do what you know what these ladies have said tonight. Reach out, um, you know, do something, change what you're doing, and be respectful of what your body is telling you that you need to stop and take care of yourself. Um, so being able to relax will help you get through post-acute withdrawal. When you're tense, you tend to dwell on your symptoms and make them worse. When you're relaxed, it's easier not to get caught up in them. You aren't as triggered by your symptoms, which means you'll be less likely to relapse. Remember, every relapse, no matter how small, undoes the gains your brain has made during recovery. Without abstinence, everything will fall apart. With abstinence, everything is possible. Um, so those are just you know some little tips that um, I thought would be helpful and, you know, what the ladies have shared tonight has been um, extremely helpful to me and what what a lot of fun, too. You guys have been awesome. Um, so just uh, just to go through with all of you, does it, it does any, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, Debbie, do you have any thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners before we close out the show? If you're in early sobriety, just absolutely hang on and reach out, um, you know, try new things. You know, for me, the biggest thing 
um, was to really try to do everything differently. You know, they say people changes or people, places, and things. It's so true. Um, you know, try meetings if you haven't been to one. Um, don't put yourself in a position where it's really going to be hard. I don't go to bars anymore. I don't go to, um, you know, things and situations that, that you know, can hurt me. And um, and I try to learn from everything that I do. So, so reach out and hang in there, and, and it will get easier. It really does. Everyone told me that, and I had a hard time. I said, what day, what day? But it really does get easier, <laughs> and you start seeing the miracles, and it's so worth it. So, um you know, thank you very much for having me on. Oh, thank you, Debbie. It's been you've been wonderful, and that's great advice there too. Um, Amy, how about you? Any closing thoughts? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I guess one thing that I always think of that I have to remind myself uh, every day is nothing changes if nothing changes. Um, hmm. That's key in, I think, in early recovery. And it's like Debbie said, you, you can't go to the bars anymore. You know, you've got to, maybe someday, but why would you want to, really? Um, mm-hmm. But you you really have to be willing to do anything. And um, and it's worth it, is the other thing. Um, and for me, it's just been rigorous honesty and getting out of your comfort zone and and sharing and finding that community. And um, and I just, I found this thing uh, that I wrote when I was 36 days sober, um, and it's just a short list. I, I, I made a lot of lists when I, in my early sobriety. I don't think I could write paragraphs. <laughs> so I made a lot of lists. Um, so this is, uh, this is like what I had discovered. Realizations at 30, number one was my old drinking stories aren't really funny anymore. They're more alarming and sad. <laughs> I'm really honest with myself. I have a effed up relationship with alcohol and other mind altering substances for a very long time. Um, there's that rigorous honesty. Um, I don't give a rat, but if people find, see, I'm doing pretty good. Um, find out that I'm in recovery <laughs> almost, sort of, most of the time. Uh, four, I might not be as in control of things as I once thought. Hmm. Uh, five, there's no longer even a glimmer of doubt regarding the question of am I or aren't I? I'm an alcoholic, and while it sucks, it's not the end of the world. Six, <laughs> no, I cannot just drink moderately ever, so shut the hell up, Wolf- Wolfie. You got everyone's familiar <laughs> with Wolfie, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Seven, I can't do this alone. Um, I don't. I, it's hard. I can't imagine that anyone can do it alone. Uh, eight, I can't control anyone else's recovery. It's not a competition. Uh, nine, recovery is about way more than just quitting drinking. Ten, this is going to be hard. And eleven, this is going to be worth it. So I just wanted to share that. Oh, I love that. That's, That's awesome, That's awesome, Amy. Amy. Thank you. Love that. Oh, love that. Thank, thank you very you. much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You've been fantastic. Thank you for being on the show. Sure. Deb, how about you? Any closing thoughts that you'd like to add? Oh, I kind of wish Amy was last. That was such a good ending. I don't have a fun list. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. I love that. It's funny because I went tonight to try to look for an old post because I wanted to find something to share, but I'm not really very technical and I couldn't get there. So um, I guess I'll just try to remember. I guess the number one thing is that I wish I would have known sooner was just to give yourself a chance, like, I could never get through enough days to feel how much better it was going to be or to figure out what the change right. would be. And and it's a different number for everyone, so I don't even want to throw a number at anyone, but 
I think it was about two, two and a half weeks for me. And the thought of not drinking for two and a half weeks sounded so insurmountable and so insane to me for so long. I, I can't even fathom. Um, but once I felt that feeling, I was like, man, I don't ever want to go back. And yet I did on that silly relapse. So there again, where you have to just totally be on your toes. But um, I just don't know if I sang the praises enough of BFB tonight. Most of you who are listening probably know about it because you're on there with us, but it's on um, Facebook. And if you want a place to come and share and find support, it's great. It's it's just been a lifesaver for me. And I went on that trip to Atlanta that Debbie went on as well, and it was seriously one of the best things I've ever done, and I'm so happy that I did. Um, lots of reading. I, I immersed myself in recovery reading, and some people think they say that's triggery for them. Um, for me, it helped a lot. I reread Drinking a Love Story by Caroline Knapp, which – I read 15 years ago and thought, whoa, that poor girl, she's really whacked out. And now it was just a completely different story for me, and I just sobbed through the entire book. Um, Mrs. D is Going Without is one of my favorite blogs that has helped me so much. I just love her. She's crazy and funny, and oh, she's so good, so that's worth checking out. And I guess just... Try to get back to your real self. Like when I think about, I was just not myself these past four or five years. I don't even know what, who I was or what I became, but I'm starting to get back to myself and I, I can't believe how much I missed out on. Like I'm getting really emotional right now because I sat in my house and isolated with a box and I, like the world was passing me by and I'll never get that time back. But I'm so grateful to have a chance now to, you know, to just catch up and, and live life again. And everything is just, it's so beautiful. So I just pray that everybody gets a chance. And if you're struggling, just give yourself the chance. And thank you so much for having me. Uh, well, that was beautiful, Deb. So that was absolutely beautiful. And I love what you said about getting, you know, and getting to know yourself and getting to be yourself again. I remember that now from, you know, like early meetings or, you know, people saying like, um, you know, what are you what are you most grateful to have back? And I remember just saying me. And, you know, yeah. and for so many years I, I tried to drink me away. Like I, I thought that mm-hmm. um, me was a bad person and now it turns out I'm I'm, I'm a pretty good person. And uh, and I like me. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> and um and 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 same with all of you. I mean, it's you know, no matter who you are out there, you are a good person, and you do deserve it. Um, you do deserve sobriety and to be happy. Um, and you know, drinking your disease will tell you that you don't deserve to be happy. And we hear so many people say like, I don't deserve to be. Um, alive, whatever it is, and I don't deserve the people in my life, and you deserve it all, and um, and just I love that. Just just hang in there. Um, you know, you got to get through some of these really awful times, and it will get better. Um, people used to say that, and, and there were certainly days where I'm like, screw you, like there's just no way, and. Um, you know, but I had like I had a saying to myself, you know, forever, no matter what, I'm doing this no matter what. 
Um, and there's, I actually went through this recently with quitting smoking. So, like, the whole concept of really early recovery um, it has been is pretty fresh in my mind because I had a couple of weekends where I was here in my house, and I'm like, thank God I don't live with anyone. I was an absolute lunatic um, just going through withdrawal, and I'm crying and screaming, and my poor dog, and I'm blasting music and, you know, angry music, happy music, and then I'm dancing around the house like, oh, I feel so good, I'm not smoking, and then I'm crying, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's all coming back. It's all coming back. I'm like, oh, this is just so much not fun, but, and I, you know, and so I, and it's now been two months not smoking, and I can tell you that. Wow. It too. Like, Congratulations, girl. You know, it's it, thank you, and it's it's just it feels so good, but you gotta hang in there, and um, you gotta just it, because you know, like we've talked about, if you you know, just even just having oh, I'm gonna have a glass, it's gonna set you back, so it's just not yeah. worth it. Like every, and you know, think it through, do what you need to do, and just hang in there because um, you know, like being sober is just it's awesome. It's it's good stuff. Um, yeah, and, we're not losers. Well, no, we're not losers. <laughs> you told me that last <laughs> September, and I didn't believe you. <laughs> that was funny. I couldn't think of how to get through to you because you kept saying it, and I'm like, look, it's like you keep telling I'm me you admire loser. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that was funny. Oh, Awesome. I'm well, glad we can laugh exactly. about it now. Thank God. I know, I know. I'm so grateful for that. So grateful. Um, well, it's been a wonderful show. I really, I think each of you from the bottom of my heart, you have helped so many people tonight, and you've certainly helped me. Um, so thank you again for being on the Bubble Hour. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Um, so as we close the show tonight, we'd like to direct you to our parent organization, ShiningStrong.org. There you will find links to all of our resources, including the Bubble Hour and Crying Out Now, and links to some of our other initiatives around recovery advocacy. And if you would like to go directly to the Bubble Hour's website, that is thebubblehour.com, and there you can listen to the, our shows directly from the website, or you can follow a link to su- subscribe to our podcast. And I believe we also have on there or on Shining Strong's website, I'm not sure which one, we have um, a link to um, the the Booze Free Brigade, which is a BFB that we've been talking about, the Yahoo group. And um, from there you can find some great online support and um, meet a lot of great people on there. So we thank you all for listening to the Bubble Hour and hope you have a great evening. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night.